Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, Alleluia. Welcome to this podcast from St Mary's University Church. While public worship will not be offered in church for the foreseeable future, we hope that these podcasts will provide you with some spiritual resources over the coming days. Easter Day is one of the great celebrations at St Mary's. At the beginning of our Easter Day service, new fire struck from flint is enkindled and blessed. And from this new fire, the Paschal candle, the Easter candle, will be lit. The marvellous exalted, the Easter song of praise, is then sung, proclaiming the full meaning of the Easter mystery. Candles are lit. The whole church is filled with light. We celebrate the Eucharist together, ringing bells and clashing cymbals as the Gloria begins, and then our whole celebration culminates in the singing of Handel's Hallelujah Chorus. As we listen to the exultant in a moment, you may want to light a candle in a safe place at home as we pray for God's blessing on our homes and on our lives. For the light that leaps out of darkness, the fire that comes from stone, symbolises Christ's conquest of death. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.
let us pray. Lord of all life and power, who through the mighty resurrection of your Son overcame the old order of sin and death to make all things new in him, grant that we, being dead to sin and alive to you in Jesus Christ, may reign with him in glory, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be praise and honour, glory and might, now and in all eternity. Amen. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. 
for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God, your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Thanks be to God. The little town of Vézelay lies in Burgundy, just to the southeast of Paris. Standing above the town on a hill is a very fine Romanesque basilica dedicated to Mary Magdalene. It's one of the starting points for the pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela. I visited this church while staying with friends a few years ago on my way back from a visit to the ecumenical community at Teze. If you go into the basilica, one of the pillars in the south aisle of the nave has a particularly fine carved capital. It's called Le Moulin Mystique. The top of the pillar depicts a miller holding a bag of wheat over a mill, while another gathers a flower underneath. It's an image which intrigues pilgrims and tourists alike. And like any image or symbolic representation, it carries a range of different meanings. For some, the two millers represent Moses and Paul the Apostle. The raw material of the old Jewish law is poured by Moses and refined into the spiritual food of the gospel, which is then gathered by Paul. For others, the image of the mill provides a suggestive parable for the complex interactions at work in the reading of scripture. Indeed, there were a number of writers in the early church who took the text in Isaiah 
take the millstones and grind meal, to refer to the labor and practice of biblical interpretation. In Judaism also, there's an ancient rabbinic teaching that when God gave humankind the law, he gave it in the form of wheat for us to make flour from it and flax for us to make a garment from it. The law is the raw material to be ground, woven and spun out. So the mill marks that point where the germs of wheat are ground, sifted and refined. In other words, the point at which the ancient words of scripture are translated, interpreted and transformed. And this describes the way in which the reading of scripture provides bread for the soul. The basilica I've described is dedicated to Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene plays a pivotal role in the story which we've just heard. Peter and John have raced to the tomb, Peter as usual taking his time to catch up. The evangelist records that they saw and believed, but almost as quickly they retreat from the scene. But Mary Magdalene, Mary is standing alone. We do not know how long she has been there by the tomb. And she is weeping. The image of Mary Magdalene alone, isolated, suffering the disorientation and confusion of loss, resonates with our own experience of grief. Any moment when our hearts have been broken. Why does she stay here by the tomb in this place of desolation? In one of his commentaries, Pope Gregory the Great comments on this passage and says that to have looked into the tomb once like Peter and John is not enough for love. Love makes one desire to look over and over again. I suspect that sometimes we rush too quickly over this description of the experience of grief. We're sometimes too quick to sing our alleluias on Easter Day. And I wonder if this silence that surrounds grief is of a piece with our culture's discomfort with death. Dame Sue Black, a professor of anatomy and an anthropologist, notes that we often shy away from death. We ignore it and avoid speaking of it. She says, life is light, good and happy. Death is dark, bad and sad. We choose to neatly categorize life and death as opposites giving us the comforting illusion of an unambiguous sense of right and wrong that perhaps unfairly banishes death to the dark side. We have lost sight of the wisdom that saw holy living and holy dying as part and parcel of human experience. We hesitate at the prayer book's unyielding phrase, in the midst of life we are in death. And we struggle to find the words to do justice to our mortality. But Mary Magdalene, whatever Mark the Evangelist may say, she is not afraid. Compelled by love, she looks again directly into the tomb.
but he is gone. He is no longer there. And Mary weeps. They have taken my Lord away, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. There are two things about this account of the resurrection from John which strike me as curious. The first is this sense of mistaken identity. The resurrection appearances, almost all of them, have this ambiguous quality about them, of Jesus being recognised and not being recognised. And I suspect this ambiguous quality is the way in which the evangelists take us to the very limits of our understanding. But Mary mistakes Jesus for the gardener. Commentators have puzzled over this for centuries, but one of the explanations that I find increasingly persuasive is that John the Evangelist sees in the unfolding story of his gospel the same pattern and insight which St Paul describes in his epistles when he speaks of a new creation. Remember the way in which John's gospel begins in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. There is that direct echo of the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. And John goes on to speak of the word active in creation. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. He speaks of the word made flesh in Jesus Christ. And as the sequence of events unfold in the early chapters of John, as he describes the ministry of Jesus, he recounts events that happen the next day, the next day, the next day, like the days of creation. Here, as the story reaches its climax, Mary Magdalene greets the risen Lord in a garden, like that first garden of Eden. But here, paradise is restored. There is a new creation. But then there is this curious turn in the conversation when Jesus says to Mary, do not cling to me, literally, do not touch me. It's a passage which has provoked all sorts of speculative interpretations among theologians and artists. Think of the curious vacillation of Fra Angelico's Noli Me Tangere, where the outstretched hand of Jesus seems both to offer a consoling embrace to Mary and to keep her at a distance all at the same time. It's a phrase, an image, which has a particular resonance during these days of social distancing. Do not cling to me. Perhaps Jesus is here acknowledging Mary's natural human response. In her grief, Mary wants Jesus back. Of course she does. And yet that is not what the hope of the resurrection offers us. At the heart of the Christian faith is the extraordinary paradox 
that death itself is the path to new life. And death insists that we let go of what we've grasped and understood, even though that may be completely bewildering. As John puts it, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains but a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. For only in letting go will we discover the truth that the process of living is also the process of dying. And the process of dying is also the process of resurrection. As we celebrate the mystery of Easter, we bear witness to the risen Christ who has overcome the powers of sin and death through the redemptive power of love. But caught as we are between living and dying, in these desperate days of a global pandemic, we do not succumb to fear or despair. For as we listen to the words of the exalted, we receive the assurance and the consolation that our life is hid with Christ in God. Christ is risen from the dead and his flame of love still burns within us. In these words of the exalted, we discover not only bread for the soul, but also a deep yearning to discover anew the fire of God's love, the beauty of hope, and the promise of a new creation. Heavenly Father, 
This Easter Sunday, the joy of Christ's resurrection is tempered by anxiety, just as the joy of the women who discovered the empty tomb was tempered by fear. Give us strength to overcome our present challenges and set our hearts on fire with love for you, that we may bear faithful witness to the power of Christ's resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Risen Lord, when the women realised that you had risen from the dead, they rushed to tell their fellow disciples. We pray for your church, and especially for our own community at St Mary's, that we might be faithful to our calling to follow you. Bless us in our worship and prayer, and strengthen the bonds of friendship between us, that we might be a source of hope and support to each other, even while we're unable to meet face to face. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Risen Lord, throughout your life, you set an example of compassionate, humble and self-giving leadership. We pray for political leaders and those in authority the world over, particularly at this time, that they would be inspired by your example to make wise and selfless decisions and always to seek the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Risen Lord, you conquered death. We pray for all those who are using their talents and gifts to combat COVID-19 and to care for those suffering from the virus, from doctors, nurses and care workers to researchers and engineers. Give them the strength to face unprecedented challenges and the peace to relax and rest when their work is done. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Risen Lord, friend to those on the margins of society, we pray for all those in any kind of need, and particularly those who have no home in which to self-isolate, and those who have to prioritise queuing for food and water over social distancing. We pray that this health emergency may inspire renewed compassion and a desire to create a more just society. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Risen Lord, healer of the sick, we ask your blessing on those who are suffering in body, mind or spirit. We pray that you would guard and protect them from all pain, that you would calm their fears and that you would comfort them with your continual presence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Jesus, the resurrection and the life, we give you thanks for all who have lived and believed in you. Raise us with them to eternal life. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. 
let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.